Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Uh, anyway, uh, time, as we always do on a Tuesday, to look at uh, other parts of the world and what's going on there. Our guide as ever is Jonathan DeBurka Butler. Good afternoon, Jonathan. Sean, how are you doing? Right, Haiti we're going to go to first. And uh, I suppose the positive story, captives are released. Yes, uh, only some of the party, unfortunately. Um, uh, this has been a story that's been going on for about a month, actually. Uh, last month, a group from an Ohio-based church organisation called the Christian Aid Ministries were abducted, right? They were. They have ministries in various different parts of Haiti and they go and visit schools where they deliver food and also presumably the word of God and all that kind of stuff. And as they were leaving one of the schools, they were kidnapped, kidnapped by a gang. And this gang turned out to be a group called the 400 Mawozo Gang. Uh, that happened on the 16th of October and later that day the leader of this particular gang basically appeared on some sort of a video that he was able to relay obviously to the to the ministry um, asking for one million dollars per person right now initially it wasn't Crikey. clear whether um, he wanted one million dollars for everyone in the party because the party is made up of five men seven women and five children right mm-hmm. now Since that time, a lot has been going on. We know that the US State Department have been involved and the situation in Haiti is pretty much out of control, right? You know, there's police involved in gangs. As you know, back in July, their president was assassinated and various different things. So it is not in a good place at all. And these kidnappings are indicative of how bad things are, I think, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now, since the kidnapping took place, back to the story, (laughs) since the kidnapping took place on the 16th of October, some of the party have been released, right? So two were released last week, and I just found out there before coming in that three were released, three more were released on Sunday. Now, they haven't said the profile of the of the people who have been released so you know there's five obviously all together and you're thinking to yourself well five and there's five kids so maybe it's the five children but we don't know for sure okay. and the missionary uh, uh, sorry the, the the yeah the missionary the organisation isn't telling anybody even the people that were released, released last week they're yeah not we, they're not okay. saying right so that's not been said for, for some reason I'm not 100% sure why but really these 17 people are among a group of about 700 and 90 there thereabouts people who have been kidnapped in Haiti so far this year now, and that that is not happening because Haiti is a rich place right yes of course and, and yeah. so uh, and so i think it it it, is, it illustrates the desperation that uh, people have in that part of the world albeit that they shouldn't be going around kidnapping people obviously uh, and uh, are there any indications one way or the other that money may have changed hands? We don't know yet, yeah. to be honest with you. And I doubt we'll ever find out, uh, to tell you the truth, unless we see the leader of the gang driving around Haiti in a Ferrari. He, yeah. would, be, he, would, quite, he would probably stand out, to be honest well, with you. I suppose even $1 million per person is a kind of a sign of... It's an unrealistic oh, figure. It's total overreach, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 Uh, right, uh, Guadeloupe might get autonomy. Yeah, they're they're looking at it. It's it's something that's been thrown to them to to uh, appease rioters and protesters. There's been there's been protests going on there for around about the last two weeks in Guadeloupe, population of about four hundred thousand people. It is a French Caribbean territory, okay, and as such, it's really the citizens of that country are entitled to everything that citizens in France get, right? It's kind of a department, as far as I know. They have representation in um, the parliaments of 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 France and that kind of thing and and, um, they have always felt that they haven't been treated equally which is probably fair enough because they are very far away Mm. and also it is a rather poor part of the world as well 
and there, there have always been issues. And what sparked this, at least on the surface, was um, an announcement by the French government that there would be a requirement for public sector workers in Guadeloupe and Martinique to get a COVID-19 vaccination or not come to work, right? Mm. Now, this is happening in France as well. Yes. But they weren't happy about it in Guadeloupe. And so there was a strike and they're prone to going on all-out strikes. Um, As I said, it's been going on for about two weeks now. The protests around that, the, the protests that went with that strike got violent and uh, it resulted in the in, in the French government having to send out extra security um, to take control of the situation. Now, to try and calm down the situation, they've sort of said, OK, we might put some sort of autonomy on the table, even though we have kind of stretched it since, you know, the beginnings of, of, of autonomy in the mid, uh, just shortly after the Second World War. Um, but this will be part of a package around improving healthcare infrastructure projects and scheme to create jobs for young people. But these are all things that they've heard before in Guadeloupe. Yeah. And so it, they, this is a recurring theme and riots around this kind of thing, ill treatment and being forgotten about by the French is something that happens relatively regularly, to be honest. Yeah. Is it in Guadeloupe's interest, though? It's 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 quite a small place to have I- independence. Well, really? it, that, that's a great question. I suppose the people that are looking for it, and there's not, there was in the 1970s, there was a movement, right, a political yeah. party, and there was even a bit of trouble, you know, military trouble, a terrorist organisation, yeah. effectively. That, that was there for a while but it did get a little bit of autonomy of its own and they seem to have disappeared a little bit but it's 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 raising its head now again um, but then again it might just be a way of the French the Minister for Foreign Territories or whatever he's called to appease the people who are out on the streets yeah. who want yeah. you know the usual thing basic services and they're not getting them uh, right. Uh, the uh, uh, the wife of uh, El Chapo is uh, going to prison. She is. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's been sentenced to three years in prison. It was an interesting case. Um, this is Emma Ayesburo. Uh She was the wife, as you say, of El Chapo. And um, she was sentenced to three years on Tuesday on charges of drug trafficking and money laundering. Now, it's a fairly tame sentence, to be honest with you. And she's already served nine months, so they're going to knock those nine months off as well. And she had faced a minimum of 10 years, right? Um, But given that she had no criminal record, that she wasn't considered a leader in the organisation and she wasn't directly involved in any violent acts, the sentence was fairly fairly low, was a very short sentence, right? Mm. And interesting, in, in the statement that the judge went in the, when he was pronouncing the sentence the judge's name was um, Rudolf Contreras he wished her good luck and he basically said that I hope that you raise your twins in a different em- environment than you've experienced to date and that's interesting because he obviously heard what the defence said the defence said that she was 17 at the time when she met El Chapo and he was 30 years older she got married on her 18th birthday uh, and then fell under a spell, yeah, effectively. Sure. You know, so there was a level of manipulation here, notwithstanding the fact that she helped him escape from prison in Mexico in 2015 and everything <laughs> else that went with it. Um, but you know, she said she was sorry, and she's going to have a new life when she comes out of prison. Um, interestingly, she's going to be on. Uh, sort of four years probation house Mm. arrest where she'll be monitored and I'm wondering is that to punish her or is it for her own good to be honest with you Uh, Um, because one one, one, because it 
it might throw the suspicion up given given that she got such a lenient sentence. True enough. Had she, is there some reason why she got a lenient, a lenient sentence that we don't know about? Well, uh, was there a quid pro quo? I, I, I can't say, to be yeah, honest with you. I haven't yeah. seen anything that relates to that or even hints of it. Now, but I maybe the say, four I years... I didn't go looking either. Yeah, <laughs> but the, maybe the four years afterwards, where it could be for her own protection, it, for it, as you it imply. It could be, but she might be feeding them some uh, information as well. You never know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the United States, so I mean, they have a few more people to go after. Uh, other than uh, other than uh, just associates of El Chapo, right? Uh, we're going to go to Sri Lanka now, where there's a, a a cooking gas explosion or explosions, I should say. Several, yeah, it's been a big problem, um, and uh, this there's been an investigation launched, right? So the president has actually got involved here. This is President Rajapaksa, who on Tuesday appointed an eight member committee to investigate, and he wants a report back within two weeks, right? He wants to find out what's going on. There was this came off the back of several explosions or series of explosions that happened towards the middle of November and right up until last week, right? So there was 14 on one day, apparently. And I think one of the big standout sort of events, if you will, uh, was on the 20th of November when McDonald's in Colombo or a McDonald's in Colombo went up in flames. So it's kind of a symbol, you know, (laughs) that we better do something. Uh, But it's been happening in businesses. It's been happening in, in houses. And nobody knows what's happening, but there is one organisation, the state-run Litro Gas, which looks after 80% of liquefied petroleum gas cylinders uh, for domestic use and commercial use. Mm. And some people put it to them that it might have something to do with the change in the mix of propane and butane that they put into their cylinders earlier this year. Now, they're saying, oh, no, not at all. Nothing to do with us. It's just a coincidence. Uh, And they're blaming faulty regulators and dilapidated stoves for these accidents. There's 10 explosions, 10 to 14 explosions happening every day for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Um, So it's a real problem. And somebody has to be doing something wrong. Uh, You'd imagine that... Uh, you'd imagine that that scientists who might understand this kind of thing would be fairly quick to point the finger as as to what might be the cause of it. Well, uh, they, they they have. I mean, it's effectively the state-run company, but they're denying it. You know, and and the, 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 they're already canvassing against each other, right? In the statement, the the I can't remember who it was, the the consumer affairs minister, I think it was, and in his statement, he said, "Government is on the side of consumers," so they're saying it's nothing to do with us or the regulators. It's probably to do with this company. Yeah. And, you know, the gas company are saying, no, it's the regulator's fault. So they're already canvassing against each other, really, I think. And uh, it remains to be seen who's at fault. But uh, hopefully they'll get to the bottom of it because uh, it's, it's desperate. Yeah. And is there any indication of how long it will take this committee, the committee, to get to the bottom of it? <laughs> well, the president is looking for a week, uh, a report within two weeks. But Yeah. Uh, As you know, these things drag on. Yeah, if you're having 14 explosions a day. Uh, Right, Libya, uh, we're going to go to next. And uh, the name Gaddafi pops up again. It does. uh, The Gaddafis are back, uh, specifically Saif al-Islam Gaddafi, who was one of 10 children that uh, Colonel Gaddafi, who, of course, was killed in 2011, had... the, the, the children have suffered various different fates. I think three of them, three of the sons died around about 2011, you know. And But this was the guy who was anointed to follow in the footsteps of his father. Right. So he's a very interesting character. He was actually convicted in a court in Tripoli in 2015 for using violence against protesters in 2011 when presumably he was trying to protect his father. But that, interestingly, was overturned by the rival administration, which is, of course, run by Khalifa Haftar 
in the east uh, of the country. So what that meant was on the 14th of November this year, uh, Gaddafi went and he put himself forward as a candidate in the presidential elections that are supposed to take place on Christmas Eve, right? Mm. The first round. Now, loads of people put themselves forward and he was one of 25 people who were rejected by the National Elections Committee and that was because he had this conviction from the courts in Tripoli. But because he was pardoned, by the other administration in the East, <laughs> he went and he appealed that decision to a court in Sabah, which is within that sort of um, controlled area as yeah. well. And they said, oh, no, no, sure, there's no conviction there, so you can run uh, for election. As it stands, it looks like he's going to be able to run, but it's all a bit chaotic at the moment and uh, nobody really knows what's happening. Uh, well, working on the basis that he might be allowed to run... Mm. Are, how's he going to do? Uh, yeah, well, how's he going to do? Is there an electoral base there? Are there, you know, is there a constituent? Yeah, you might, he there may well be yeah. within Libya that goes, well, Gaddafi made the trains yeah. run on time or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the, the, with the old Mussolini line. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, he has support. There's no doubt about it. I, I haven't looked at any opinion polls, to be honest with you. Yeah. I know the Haftar is running. I know the other guy in Tripoli, um, Dabia, isn't it? Abdul Dabia. He's running and he's the UN-backed candidate. Yes. So, you know, he might get a bit of... Uh, bit of favoritism but I mean there's been there's been um, what you call them election halls where you go to vote I can't remember what they're called (laughs) election centres or whatever Uh, they've been raided by armed men and various different things have gone on so votes have been stolen and already so it's going to be it's going to be total chaos anyway anyway but look something might come of it that's a a bit of progress because the last 10 years has been total chaos Uh, and notwithstanding the the, the conviction he has for violence Mm. was he part of the regime when daddy was in power absolutely he was yeah yeah most certainly he as I said he was the anointed he was the one who was going to take over if Gaddafi had just gone gently into that good night as such right okay yeah because I Vaguely remember there was another one who fancied himself as a football Footballer. player yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, 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 they bought a team in Italy or something. Yeah, well, so he, he, play, he played for them. I can't remember the name of it. I was there at the time. I was living there at the time and it was uh, it was quite humorous. Yeah, yeah, he did. He played for a Serie A team for about 15 minutes. There's actually footage of that on YouTube and you can see it and most of the crowd are laughing unfortunately the, yes. poor, the poor man it's like kind of like succession really in that sense there was only yeah. you know one one he could trust Indeed, yeah. uh, right uh, South Africa we're going to go to uh, next and uh, not good uh, news if you're if you're a whale or indeed if you care about the environment yeah not at all I suppose this is um, a finding in favour of Shell uh, who are looking to do seismic tests to explore for oil in what are whale breeding grounds along South Africa's eastern coastline, right? It's called the Wild Coast. Uh, It's home to whales, dolphins and seals. It's relatively untouched, according to the campaigners who filed an urgent legal challenge against the Seismic Survey, I think it was last week. The courts have come back on... came back on Friday morning and basically dismissed their uh, interdict as such uh, and basically said, look, they didn't prove... Um, that there was going to be much irreversible environmental damage here and any delays will have financial consequences, too much financial consequences for uh, Shell. So I'm not going to put a stop to this and they're allowed to go ahead. Um, so yeah, so that that's a loss uh, for the environmentalists who were trying to put a stop to it. Um, but from Shell's point of view, they're saying that South Africa's heavily reliant on on energy imports so if they found something here it would be good for the 
economy of the country at least uh, and this, uh, the seismic test is just to kind of test whether it's it, it, it's sound from a seismic point from an earthquake point yeah, whether it's, yeah. uh, is, is not just to see if it's viable yeah. in, in the first place yeah but they're saying that it, it will it'll mess up the breeding grounds and whales will disappear and so it'll reduce their chances of breeding and so on so. yeah yeah you couldn't see how it would, uh, how it would do them much good uh, really and uh, uh, good news uh, uh, for the UK that uh, they, they've just rejoined uh, an international body. Yes, it's not the European Union, unfortunately, mm. although people will probably have mixed views on that given what's going on there at the moment. Uh, it's the Pacific community at which it had left 17 years ago. Um, this is a regional organisation which is has 27 countries involved in it, right? It was one of the founding members back in 1947. Um, along with New Zealand, USA, France and a few other countries. It's not a trade block and it doesn't really look at security either. But what it does is it organises scientific research and that kind of thing across the 27 countries. Right, So that's where it kind of works together. Yeah. Really, I was only bringing it in to give hope that they'd rejoin <laughs> an organisation or an international organisation. But they, they say that, you know, they're going back into it because it, it, recently... Things in that part of the world, you know, Fiji, Tonga, Samoa had been dealt with by the European Union and they kind of left it to them. But now they're um, increasing or they're growing their diplomatic stamp in the area. So this yes. is part of that. Now, they say it's over, you know, hu- to make sure human rights are looked after and so science can be taken forward in that. But even though it's not an international trading block, I mean, there's no doubt that they might be talking about trade while they're having their wine and canopies uh, at the various dues. So, uh, yeah, there's always going to be some degree of soft power absolutely. Uh, going on there. And the, the fact that the UK isn't in the Pacific doesn't seem to preclude anyone from being a member of this. No, no. <laughs> but it is the one that's furthest away. Although the United States is in it as well, yeah. but I suppose well, they one have, have they have one coast they at have least. American Samoa there, yeah. I suppose. So they have some sort of an excuse. Anyway, yeah, there you go. Uh, right. So, anything we should look out for in in the coming week? Yeah. Well, I think you know speci- around specific dates. There's local elections coming up in Palestine, which might be vaguely interesting, but I don't know if that little change too much. I think probably the thing to watch out for is this diplomatic spat between China and the USA over the Winter Olympics. Olympics. Mm. And more than anything, one that I would definitely be watching is the build-up of Russian troops on the border with Ukraine. Yeah. Which even though the Russians are saying we're not going to do anything, there's 40,000 or is it 80,000? Yeah. I can't remember. That's that's tense situation and not a good situation. So one to watch out for. Yeah. Jonathan, thanks a million. Thanks, As Sean. ever, Jonathan de Berkabata there. Uh, you are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.